from Buck Studio at Wisconsin Public Radio, this is Zorba Pastor on your health. I'm Tom Clark here again with Family Doc Zorba Pastor, talking with you about what's new in healthy living, sharing some down-to-earth advice and great lifestyle tips to help you get the most out of life. If you have a question for the good doc, the number to call, 800 462 And along with your calls, we have some topics to talk about, Zorba. Right. Prolonged exposure to screens by kids may actually be affecting their eyes. Kind of interesting. I mean, years ago, many years ago, my mother said, if you sit too close to the TV set, you'll get cancer. Now, we know that isn't the case, but the real issue is is prolonged is basically looking at screens for kids bad for Mm -hmm. your eyes. We'll talk Mm -hmm. about some research that I think is quite provocative. And then the other provocative thing we're going to talk about is women patients, female patients, appear to be more likely to die if the surgeon is male we're going to talk about that. Right. Let me tell That's you something. That's hard for me to yeah, believe. Yeah, well, we're both men on this. We'll have to talk about this. Very interesting. What's yeah. our special recipe Spicy today? Korean chicken with rice. I love chicken. I love Korean food. I love hot food. It's a really, really easy recipe if you're into Korean or Asian seasonings. Mm-hmm. 800-462-7413 is our number. That's 1-800-462-7413. Three. And now, Zorba, let's welcome our first caller, a listener in the Bronx, New York. Hi. Hi. How can we help? Thank you for taking my call. Yeah, how can we help? So, uh, something like uh, maybe 15 years ago, on a hike actually in Switzerland, I experienced the following. The, The inside corner of one eye became very... Painful. That is the corner near the mm-hmm. nose. Okay. And to the point where I could not keep my eye open. Wow. And so this. Uh, is, so you were hiking. You were hiking in woods. I, I, I was hiking at the time in uh-huh. the Alps, actually. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So over the years, mm-hmm. this has recurred. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, you know, uh, one eye, sometimes mm-hmm. the other eye, mm-hmm. occasionally both eyes mm-hmm. together. Very painful. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, it can last mm-hmm. anywhere, you know, roughly five minutes. Uh-huh. Um, huh. So I've been to several uh, eye doctors. Mm-hmm. My most recent uh, experience is that they diagnosed it as blepharitis. Mm-hmm. Which means basically, and blepharitis are sort of eyelid eyelid issues. Yeah, blepharitis. Yeah. So what they yeah. have? What they have you do? They have me uh, use a warm compress. What kind of a warm compress? I use a a face cloth. Mm-hmm. I okay. soak in warm water, uh-huh. and then I uh, after that I follow it with these kind of uh, soapy uh, scrubs. I mm-hmm. think they're called laki sauce, uh-huh. something like okay. that. Mm-hmm. Laki scrub. Mm-hmm. So that seems to help. How often does it bother you now? I mean, you're in the Bronx. So, that 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 ain't the Alps. So I mean, how much does it bother? You? Does it bother you once a week, once a month, once a year? I would say a couple times a week. Oh, so so that's on a regular basis. Okay. So, first of all, let's assume you have this is an eyelid issue because it probably is. I want to go back to that Alps thing. Were you allergic in the Alps? Were there things going on? Were you rubbing your eyes? You know. No, mm-hmm. I don't have any allergies. Uh-huh. Any allergies at all? So, how no. how old were you when you were doing when you were hiking? Uh, well, I'm 82 now, mm-hmm. so you know, maybe 15 years ago. 15 years ago. Oh, because you're so you're an active so you're an active guy. I am. Yeah. Yes. Tom, could you hike the Alps right now? Sure. <laughs> Piece of cake. Piece of cake. <laughs> okay. So let me let me give some suggestions. First of all. You're not using the right compress. That's my recommendation. I think I've got a much better idea for you with a compress and a couple of other suggestions. So once a day or twice a day, you should uh, – probably once a day would be enough. Wash your eyelids. You can either use the fancy stuff or you can put a few drops of Johnson's No Tears Baby Shampoo in some water – and just in the morning, just kind of clean your eyelids. Just clean it up. Open up your eyelids. Little cotton, you know, little cotton ball. Open your eyelids or use the fancy stuff. Clean it out. Put some water. So now any junk that's in your eyes from when you're sleeping in that, you've got rid of it. 
Then what I want you to do is get an eye drop called Refresh and get the gel eye drop, not the the drop itself, but the gel. The gel is thicker because it is a gel. Okay. Put one or two drops in each eye, and this is the mask you get. Have you ever heard of Amazon.com? So either at Amazon or somewhere else, you can go into a drugstore and you get a micro-wavable eye mask. This is much better. There is no comparison. Warm, moist complex out of the sink doesn't do diddly. You need to have something that keeps the warmth in longer. And what you do is you get a micro-wavable compress. You make it as warm as you can. Usually that's about 30 seconds in the microwave. And you sit down with that, put two drops in your, one or two drops in your eyes, put the compress on. And before that, you put on a timer for five minutes and you leave it on your eyes for five minutes. And you do that at least twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening, if you can get more in. And that's much better. You don't have enough heat to your eye for a long enough period of time to open up those pores and get the moisture in, which is what's going to happen with the gel. So once in the morning when you get up, once a night when you go to sleep, and if you decide you're going to do it in the middle of the day, you're going to do it. And that's going to open up the pores in your eyes, and it's more likely to get rid of the blepharitis because of that. Got it? Sure. It sounds like a real good plan. Yeah, so the microwave mask, as I said, the Refresh Eye Gel. Um, I've tried the generics. They don't work as well, and they're a little bit more costly, but I think it really works. And you'll save the money because instead of using the fancy scrub, you can use the Johnson's Baby No More Tears shampoo. So you'll come out about the same price-wise. <laughs> and the mask costs about 15 bucks. That's what they what are. What is the mask called? Well, you just what search is- for microwaveable eye mask, and you can do it on Amazon. But basically, these are eye masks that you put in the microwave. They have these little beads that warm up, and they keep your eye warm for five minutes. That's what they do. And a washcloth, you put it on and 30 seconds later, it's no longer warm. And you need more more warmth for a longer period of time to make, to get those tear ducts to open up. The problem is the tear ducts because you're an old guy and your tear ducts are not opening up as much because you're old. Sorry, I had to tell you the truth. And if you're in your 80s, if nobody calls you old when you're in your 80s, then the word doesn't have any meaning, does it? I'm an old guy, so I I can say it. (laughs) Tom's an old guy. You know, I got to tell you something. Now that that I'm 74 and I'm sitting in the office of people and I'll say to people, you know, there's a problem. I'll say, you got it because you're old. And then everyone laughs. But I can call people old because I'm old. You know what I mean? It's it's not. Tom is. Tom is ready. Yeah. You're, you're ready to. Well, you've got a comment there. Yeah, you're all young. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Tom is the oldest in the room. <laughs> Thanks so much for the call. Thank you. 800-462-7413. You know, the interesting issue here is. That's what the show is about. He had some uh, blepharitis is probably his diagnosis. He has it. He was given some advice. So we get a chance to look at it and give a second opinion on how to improve it. So he was headed in the right direction, but we were able to sort of fine tune it. And I think that's really kind of what's useful about the show. It also gives people empowerment to ask questions. And I think that's really an important aspect of of what we're trying to do. I mean, we have humor because we like to talk and have humor, but it's also empowering people to ask questions and saying, hey, I'm not getting any help. What about another opinion from me? And I'm just another guy giving an opinion. 800-462-7413. We have a voicemail now, Zorba, uh, from Jacksonville, Florida. Hi. I have started... I have started a new um, dietary plan, which is lectin-free. And I'm just curious to know what Dr. Zorba's take is on that. And just to add to that, I've lost 10 pounds. I feel really good. Lots of issues, not issues, but lots of things that I've had to take off of my diet. But anyway, bye. 
Well, you know, I mean, we, you've heard of gluten-free. You've learned, heard about people who don't eat uh, legumes because they don't want to eat legumes because it causes gas. But now there's an idea of lectins. And lectins are proteins that bind to other carbohydrates. And some people think they're sort of anti-nutrients. I don't believe that at all, uh, that they have something to do with the cell lining. And lectin-free diet means you have to avoid certain foods. And you have to look it up. I mean, foods like broccoli is one of the lectin-free foods. And I can never remember it. But I mean... It's a whole other way that people think dieting will help them. And it's like everything seems to pop up that may be useful. Now, this woman has lost a couple of pounds on a lectin-free diet. Undoubtedly, that's due to the fact that she is probably not consuming as many calories. But once again, this is just – it's like the FODMAP diet, F-O-D-M-A-P. FODMAP has to do with fermentable uh, oligosaccharides that are in the gut. We've been using that for irritable bowel syndrome. Lectin-free, if you want to go on the diet. Go to the web, look and see what foods to to avoid and try that. I myself think the most important diet is the Mediterranean diet, and I always go back to that. Plentiful fruits and vegetables that you tolerate, you know, less with animal fat, eating the right type of fats, which are generally fish fats. And I think lectin-free is sort of a fad that has now come, and we'll see how long it lasts. Mm -hmm. 800-462-7413. If you have a question for Zorba, Uh, before our next caller, Zorba, a prolonged screen exposure may cause ocular surface symptoms in children? Well, these are it's kind of interesting things. So uh, when my, as I mentioned before, when I was young, my mother said, don't sit too close to the TV set. You'll ruin your yeah, eyes right, right, right. and get cancer. Everybody's mother said that. Yeah, I said, don't sit too close to the TV set. Now, why was that? I mean, first of all, the, those black and white TVs in today's parlance, I mean, they look kind of, you, you wanted to sit close to really get a good view. And, but no, it's radiation. It's radiation that's going to kill you. And of course, Obviously, never never caused anything at all. But this is this has to do with uh, uh, analogous in adults of dry eyes. And this was a particular study that looked uh, looked at whether or not we're actually causing problems in children. So a study that took place in Turkey. Uh, mean age were kids. They were teenagers. There were 200 healthy kids. And they looked at basically their ocular surface. So they're looking at the surface of their eye. They were looking at dryness. They were looking at whether or not they were actually causing a thickness in the cornea for kids who had two hours of screen exposure and whether or not they actually had subjective dry eyes. Now, a lot of adults, their eyes get dry. I'm one of those people, my eyes are dry in the morning. I hydrate my eyes by putting a compress on my eyes, and I try to do that once or twice a day. And then I don't notice my eyes because when they're dry, they feel uncomfortable. Kids are different. They don't really feel the dryness in the eyes. And they found that more than close to 90% of the kids who were looking at a screen for more than two, two hours had dry eyes. The question is, will those dry eyes cause problems over time? So in other words, sitting too close to the screen, looking mm-hmm. at our telephone screen, looking at the screen from a computer, is that actually going to cause problems later on? Because is the cornea now developing something called uh, carotid conjunctivitis, which means is it going to have a thickening? That remains to be seen. So in other words, one of the problems with kids are they look at screens all the time. So what should we do? What should we do? We've got this information that may mean something and that may not. I think the answer is we've got to still get our kids away from screens. It's hard in this day and age. It's hard with COVID because our kids have to do homework on. But I think as a parent, it's important to make sure our kids are not continuously looking at screens because they don't blink. Is, and we know that this is bad for them? No, we don't know. This no, we is, don't. No, we don't so. know. no, the answer is no. This is this is preliminary research. We don't know that it's bad for us. It may turn out it may turn out that this is the same as our mother said that sitting too close to the TV set is bad for us yeah. Yeah. and is going to cause cancer. Well, as we get old, and look at it, Tom. As we get older, a lot of people have cancer. Maybe our moms were right. No, no, they weren't right. I've gone too far with this. But the issue with dry eyes with kids really can be an issue. So, uh, But I think the issue with screens is that when our kids look at screens, they are not doing other things. 
And when you look at a screen, you don't blink as much. We do know that. Mm -hmm. Whether or not this causes some problems or not, preliminary, provocative research that is not proven. Instead of looking at anything, you listen to good radio radio, programs. Right. Tell, (laughs) shut the screen off with your kids, turn on public radio, and there'll be public radio listeners. And you know what? You know what that'll mean? They're more intelligent. 800-462-7413 is our number. We have a voicemail now, Zorba, from Brookfield, Wisconsin. Hi, the doctor was talking about um, diet soda and not being real great for you. I was just wondering about diet beer, otherwise known as light. And uh, I like a little of that out of the keg, as, as the saying goes. Thank you. Adios. Adios. <laughs> well, uh, diet beer, and they don't call it diet beer because men wouldn't drink it. They <laughs> call it light beer because men will drink it. I mean, it really shows you where naming is. And, and basically, it's uh, it's a lower calorie beer. Diet soda has artificial sweeteners. That's what it is. Diet beer just has less carbohydrates. So it's simply the way they brew it. I am not a brewmaster, so I have no idea how they brew it. But light beer basically just has fewer calories and fewer carbohydrates. Not the same thing. Diet soda has either, uh, you know, it either has a sucralose, you know, which is Splenda, or it has NutraSweet. So it has something within it, or it has saccharin in there. So it has an artificial sweetener. Totally different thing. Now, is it good for you or bad for you? Well, it depends on how much beer you drink. If you drink too much beer, it's not good for mm-hmm. you. If you have a beer every so often, we've got one or two beers a day for men and one beer for women. I think it's just fine. if you have a question for Zorba. Now, before we take a break, Zorba, we always love hearing from the grammar police, but here's a new one. This email came from the complex, layered, and often tear-inducing division (laughs) of the grammar police. This one is from the onion police. The the following email came to us from Betty. (laughs) Betty listens to the show on KSFC in Spokane, Washington. Mm. Betty writes, regarding your recipe for chicken and pineapple kebabs, you indicated any white onion could be a sweet onion. Sweet onions are a subset of white onions, but are usually identified in most grocery stores as such. Bermuda onions, Vidalia onions, Walla Walla sweets are all varieties of sweet onions. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Walla Walla sweets from Walla Walla, Washington. Notice she brought that in? <laughs> yes, I Notice did. she did. Yeah. And she mentioned Bermuda to sort of give it parlance because they used to get – they used to grow onions on Bermuda. They don't do that anymore. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I will pay attention to that in the future. Yeah, we couldn't think of a good onion pun to say here. So. No, no, no. No, but so, we could read so the onion. I, Remember just, the onion? I'm going to read a, read a passage from the Bible okay. as if it were written by <laughs> onions. The leeks shall it inherit the earth. <laughs> there. That's all I got. Do you want to join the ever-growing grammar police? Just post on our Facebook page or send us an email at Zorba at WPR.org. More of your calls coming up, more of your emails, and we'll be cooking up some spicy Korean chicken. All of that coming up on Zorba Pastor on Your Health from PRX, the Public Radio Exchange.
Tom Clark here with Family Doc Zorba Pastor on Zorba Pastor on Your Health. 800-462-7413 if you have a question for Zorba. But Zorba, before we get back to the phones, spicy Korean chicken with rice. Now, you like spicy food, right? I like spicy food. I mean, I like spicy food too. And I like all different kinds of Asian cuisine. Do you like all different kinds of Asian cuisine? I don't know how many different kinds there are. Well, there's... Probably some that I don't like. I don't know. <laughs> That's right. There's probably some. Actually, when I was... Uh, when we were visiting, my uh, daughter-in-law is Chinese. And when we were first in uh, in China, we were visiting her and her dad. And we had a wonderful, wonderful fabulous sort of, not a buffet, but a Chinese feast. And with the Chinese feast, they keep on bringing you plates and plates and plates, and they pile up in the middle of it. And then they brought the delicacy, and they handed it to us. And Penny and I looked and said, what is this? And they said, you get the fish eyes. And I thought, (laughs) I was not really interested in eating fish eyes. I looked at it, and there was the head and the fish and the eyes, and I thought, you know, I going to pass no, on this. No, thank you. <laughs> I can pass on this. And they're all kind of looking at us like, are they going to take it? Because there was the fish eyes. Somebody in there, and we said no. And then they all laughed. And then they toasted us with a little toast. <laughs> Probably knowing that we were not taking yeah. the fish eyes. And they, but anyway, they had the fish eyes. But this does not use fish eyes. This is spicy Korean chicken with rice. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to take a couple of tablespoonfuls of oil. To big tea oil. Now, when you buy oil, what kind of oil do you buy for cooking? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. The last time I bought oil was probably like 47 years ago. 47 years ago. But, but I'll tell you something. Peanut oil is the oil that actually smokes at the hottest temperature. And so uh, my son, because he's married to, uh, to Shah, who is Chinese, they only use peanut oil for cooking because that's generally what's used in Chinese and Asian food because you can get the super hot without actually getting them smoking. So two tablespoonfuls of oil, uh, preferably peanut oil. Mm-hmm. One and a half big tea Korean chili paste? That's right. Chili paste. So you've got to go to your Asian grocery store that has it, Korean chili paste. Ask the uh, ask the grocer, if it's an Asian gro- uh, store, what sort of chili paste you can have. But mm-hmm. that's really with the spices. A teaspoon of Korean red chili powder. Mm-hmm. Okay, one big tea. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. L- Little tea, Korean red chili powder. That's right. A tablespoonful of sesame oil. Big tea, sesame oil. Now, the thing about sesame oil is buy smaller containers because it tends to go uh, bad. It doesn't have the same flavor. So I used to buy larger containers, and then uh, my son said, don't buy larger containers. It goes bad. In other words, it doesn't have that same robust taste. Two tablespoonfuls of soy sauce. Two big tea, soy sauce. Uh, and I've generally now switched uh, to low-sodium soy sauce because it has more taste and it has less sodium. I want to have tablespoonfuls of sugar. Tablespoon and a half of sugar. A piece of ginger. Now, when I say a piece of ginger, at least a piece about the size of your thumb. Let's see your thumb, Tom. Let me see your thumb. Show it to our radio audience. Now, I don't think the middle finger You just made that up. I would never do that. That's right. It's not the same. Anyway, about the size of your thumb, or if you really like ginger, two thumbs. Mm -hmm. Two thumbs. Or your middle finger. You could also (laughs) use that if you want to, and we won't talk about how that middle finger was exposed to me because this is public radio, and I think it's uh, incorrect to say that. Uh, Three cloves of garlic. You could use more if you love garlic. Three cloves of garlic. Minced. And and, and you made a side of salt. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, Tom, yep. have you noticed there's one thing I haven't mentioned in this recipe? Well, you had the, uh, the uh, chili that, powder and the sesame, it, the it. soy sauce, yeah. the sugar, the, yeah. the, the ginger. Yeah. How about chicken thighs? Oh, so how about chicken thighs? This is spicy Korean right. chicken. With thighs. That's right. Chicken <laughs> with thighs. Yeah. So then, you know, get a package of like four chicken mm-hmm. thighs. That's what I would do. Okay. So first, number one. So. Slice the chicken thighs. If you're going to use boneless, skinless chicken thighs, you can slice them horizontally to make thinner pieces of meat. Or you could use chicken thighs with the skin and put the marinade on top of it. I happen to like chicken thighs with the skin. All right. Take all the ingredients in the marinade, all of them. I won't list them again. Whisk it to make sure everything is basically in there, completely dissolved. Take the chicken and marinate it for 30 minutes to a couple of hours. Then... Grill the chicken until completely charred or thoroughly cooked through. 
either in a skillet, in a pan, or on the grill. Bake it in the oven if you want to for 20 minutes. And the most important thing is you want to make sure the chicken is at 165 degrees. So if you're using boneless, skinless chicken thighs, you can look at it and you can see what it is because it's thin. It's only going to take you probably about 10 minutes to 15 minutes. You'll get an idea. You can cut it through and look at it to make sure it's fully cooked. Or if you're going to use regular chicken thighs with the skin on, my favorite piece of chicken, use an instant meat thermometer and make sure it's at 165 degrees. And then serve it immediately over steamed rice. It's a really wonderful, tasty, easy recipe. And if you couldn't get all the ingredients, guess what? Um... That's right. Um, you can either be a Luddite like Tom and say, um, or you can go to the web at zorbapastor.org, zorbapastor.org, find the ingredients and look at wonderful pictures of Tom. You'll just love those wonderful <laughs> pictures of Tom. Every day I open up the website and I go, look at Tom. He looks great. That's zorbapastor.org or, of course, through Facebook. Back to the phones we go now, Zorba. Our next caller, a listener in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Hi. Hi, doctor. Uh, my wife and I listen to you all the time. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Very, very kind yeah. of you. My issue is uh, I'm 64 years old, and about six to eight years ago, um, when the winter comes, I start to get these blisters on my fingers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's under the skin on the back of my hands. Um, for the first Two days, it's pretty sensitive. Mm-hmm. And then it starts to, I don't want to say ooze through, it comes through the skin sort of flaky and red. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the time spring comes around, it goes away. Just wondering what it is. Uh, are you still working for a living? You're 64? Or are you re- no, no, I, uh-huh. I, I've retired. Uh-huh, you've retired. It, yeah. 64? Yeah, right. That's kind of young to retire. <laughs> what, what Go do- back to work. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're too young to retire. <laughs> Actually, I retired at 57. Oh, at 57, oh my God. A sloth. A sloth. What did what'd you do for a living when you were, when you were working in the, and, you know, in, and, and I, producing things? I was a manager for 28 years in Ashkenaz. Uh-huh. My wife was an RN, and mm-hmm. we saved up for it. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, hey, you see, know, I'm I'm 85, and they won't let me retire. Yeah, no, that, no, that's it. Sh- it shows you if you're a radio jock, you have to work until you die. Whereas if you're a manager in an RN, you can retire in your 50s. Okay. So, so part of this may be due to the hand washing and dryness in the air, and part of it may be actually due to cold. I mean, you have a couple of different issues. So, part of this may be renounced phenomena. That may be one part. Renounce are, are basically where when your hands get cold, there's a decrease in the circulation in the fingers and the hands. They can become white. They can become painful. Uh, if they're really painful for people, we put them on medications, uh, actually anti-sort of hypertensive medications that work for this. But for most people, they glove or double glove and that helps. So one recommendation is wear gloves. Do you wear them all the time? I do. When I go mm-hmm. out outside and even when I exercise in the basement, I put gloves okay. on. Okay. So you said, well, if you exercise in your house, in the basement, and you put gloves on, and I'm assuming your basement is not 50 degrees, but is a little bit colder, then you've got Raynaud's. If you notice that much of a difference, your basement is okay. a little chillier than upstairs, like a few degrees? Yes. See, yeah. so even that that difference puts it out. So part of this is Raynaud's. So uh, one thing I would recommend when you go outside is don't single glove but double glove. Make it okay. even better when you go outside. So get a glove liner and then double glove or wear mittens. Second thing is wash your hands less. If you're washing them, use hand sanitizer instead of putting in the sink. And then you should put cream on your hands to keep the moisture on your hands because part of this okay. is a dryness and cream issue. Um, how many times a week do you shower? Um, every night. Go less, shower less. You don't need that much. Americans okay. love to put take the oil off of their skin. So shower every other day because you're okay. drying. You out don't your have skin. to shower a lot because you don't have to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> Stay out of the shower. <laughs> That's right. And you retire. You're probably not seeing people as much either. So it doesn't matter if there's little odiferous around him. So that's that's it. So we've got our we've got our game plan. Double glove outside. Moisturize your hands, shower less, and then let us know what happens. It's part rain outs okay. and part dryness. So 
And Tom's right. Get a job. (laughs) (laughs) We do appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Thank you. 800-462-7413. And you're still working. That's it. I know. You're still working. See, you're the wrong occupation. Life is not fair. 800-462-7413. We have a voicemail now, Zorba, from Buffalo, New York. Uh, Yes, doctor. My question, how long can you safely be in a dry or wet sauna? Thank you, doc. If you can answer those, love you. (laughs) We we, we love you, too. (laughs) That's really nice. Well, it depends on your age. Now, if you're an eight-year-old, you can't be in there very long because you're a young kid, and you might not have any symptoms and know about And then you're like a 25-year-old. You can sit in that sauna for an hour, and it won't make any difference to you. 35-year-old, 45-year-old, yeah, you sit there as long as you want to. Now, if you're a 75-year-old, it might be a little different because it might be that you're actually going to dry out too much. It's going to be too much. So generally, the thought is about 20 minutes based on if you're if you're older. You know, so some people can sit there for an hour, but they're generally younger people. Now I have a hot tub. I love my hot tub. If I sit in the hot tub and I and I hike it up to 104 degrees because I like it. I like wet heat versus dry heat. If I'm in it for more than 20 minutes and I stand up, I have to be careful because I am dizzy. Mm-hmm. And then I'm more likely to fall. So if I'm sitting there and, you know, when it's like minus 5 degrees, that's my favorite time to go out into the hot tub. I wear a hat, get into the hot tub. But when I stand up, I've got to stand up and wait for about 30 to 40 seconds before I head off because otherwise, basically, I am dizzy and I'm more likely to fall. That's what it is. So 20 minutes is sort of the thumbnail sketch. And you've got to be careful about one other thing when you're in the sauna, drinking. Mm -hmm. Not unusual. You're outside. Let's say you're skiing. I love to ski. It's uh, You're outside. You're going to be in a hot tub or a sauna after you skied, and you're going to have a couple of drinks. Drinking will cause uh, basically cause vasodilation, mm. and that makes it even more likely you're going to get dizzy and fall, you know, and actually yeah. fall. And there is something else. Uh, I know of two – which uh, one person – who actually had someone who died, not in a sauna, but in a hot tub, because they were alone, they were drinking, they were drunk in the hot tub, they fell asleep in the hot tub, and they died. So, I mean, that's a rare event, but you have to be careful because alcohol in hot tubs and alcohol in saunas tend to go together a pre-ski. Yeah, don't forget to put your uh, clothes back on when you get up. (laughs) (laughs) 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. Okay, Zorba, as you know, we get uh, so many questions from our wonderful listeners. So many. So, so many. many. And so we many. also get calls from listeners so who many. just want to so share many. a comment or a health tip. Okay. So it's time again for that segment we call Caller Comments. This is a bunch of caller comments. People calling us with their health tips. Thanks. We appreciate it. Okay, Zorba, our first comment is referring to a recent caller who wasn't sure if adopting a hypoallergenic cat would trigger her cat allergy. So let's hear from a listener in Milwaukee, Wisconsin a comment for the lady uh, with the cat that she lost. Uh, If she has any hesitation, she might want to contact her animal shelter and see about fostering a cat. That way, that would give her an opportunity to sort of test drive cats for a while, different types, and see if she gets a reaction. If she does, she can then very quickly return the animal because there are lots of cats in animal shelters that they would like to have somebody foster and particularly a situation where it's a non you know the person doesn't have a pet themselves because sometimes these animals need help adjusting thank you great idea great idea never thought about that it would work for a cat it would work for a dog. In other words, if you wonder whether or not you've got an allergy to an animal, foster that animal mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and then you'll see mm-hmm. what it is. You haven't made a commitment. You don't have the animal. You don't have this. Great idea. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
And finally, Zorba, here is a listener from, well, let's just say she's from the United States of America. Hi, this is the Zorba Show, but I have a question for you. If Mississippi gave Missouri her New Jersey, what would Delaware? And the answer is Idaho, but Alaska. You know, so you know something. We have listeners. I was that just thinking the same thing. We have wonderful that listeners. Us. That's yeah. it. That is an example of a wonderful listener who loves us. I love it. Well, we have so many silly <laughs> things going on that silly listeners. Clearly, are, clearly are, public yeah. radio people can be silly when they want to. Educationally, <laughs> educationally silly. We don't say education. We say you know environment and and information. But yes, it's very funny. More of your calls coming up. Another interesting topic to talk about, and more listener emails as well. All that coming up on Zorba Pastor on Your Health from PRX. Tom Clark with Family Doc Zorba Pastor here on Zorba Pastor on Your Health. The number is 800-462-7413 if you have a question for Zorba. But Zorba, before our next call, uh, a topic and thanks to Matthew from Wisconsin for the heads up on this topic. Female patients are more likely to die if the surgeon is male... Well, it's kind of a, a, an important topic, and it's sort of interesting research, right? Yeah, I mean, is it real or is it not real? And so, so first of all, it's published in JAMA Surgery. So that means it's a peer-reviewed journal. I think this is really important when looked at. So in other words, there were epidemiologists who looked at it and said, this looks real to us. It doesn't mean it's real, but it means it looks real. In other words, it's not junk science. And they basically looked at, uh, this is a team out of the University of Toronto. They analyzed uh, 1.3 million patients from two 2007 to 2019. Okay, they looked at male, mm-hmm. female patients. They looked at male surgeons, female surgeons. Now, according to the study, first of all, women were 15% more likely to suffer adverse post-operative outcomes than men. So let's look at that first of all. So first of all, they discovered that women who were having surgery were 15% more likely to have adverse outcomes. What's going on there? I mean, that's question number one. Is that real? And if it's real, we got to figure out what it is. And then they looked at death. Now, there's not much death when it comes to surgery. I mean, death is an unusual event with minor, with, with major surgery. This mm-hmm. is major surgery. But they were 32% more likely to die if they had a male surgeon. In other words, than if they had a female surgeon. So there were two things. First of all, women were 15% more likely to have an adverse effect. And then from a death point of view, if they had a female surgeon, they were less likely to die than if they had a male surgeon. So what's going on here? Is this real? I mean, this has real medical world consequences that we have to look at. So one of the first thing that jumps into my mind is, first of all, is it real? We've got to look at the data again. Is this real stuff? The second step is, are we not paying attention to women in surgery? Are we handling them differently? In other words, women and men are not the same when it comes to how surgery is done, outcomes, side effects. We know, for instance, heart attacks, women are not as likely to have the same sort of symptoms as men when it comes to heart attacks and heart disease. And then we have to see, is there a difference in how women are looked at adverse events after surgery versus men? In other words, are they paid attention to differently than a man? If a man complains, does that com- are they more likely to complain differently and are they more likely to be paid attention to than women? So we've got to repeat this study to see if it's real. We've got to see if it's that the case, and we've got to take action. If In the, in the meantime, if, if you're a woman going to surgery, should she say, I want a woman surgeon? No, I don't think so. 
I don't think it's like that. Because death, when it comes to death, it's a very rare event. We're not looking at a lot of events. I don't know if this is a red herring. There are also more male surgeons than there are female surgeons. Yeah. There, are more, there may be complicated cases. I think it's just the first step in finding it. But we do know from years, years going on that we have to look at men and women differently with a lot of medical problems, a lot of diseases. They're not, we, we're not exactly the same in terms of how medications may affect us. And I think this is a call to action to start looking at side effects for women in surgery. No, no. I don't think a woman should say I want a woman's surgeon versus a man's surgeon because I don't know if this data – I don't know if that part of this data is real. It's a call to get more information. 800-462-7413 is our number. That's 800-462-7413. And Zorba, we uh, have a caller with us now in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. Hi. Hi. This is Doc. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. How can we help? I have L3 and L4 problems in my back. But what's worse is I have developed sciatica, and it's very painful. When I Mm -hmm. stand, it feels Mm -hmm. like I'm stepping on marbles. Wow. It hurts Mm -hmm. a lot to stand or to even sit. How long has this gone on for? About three months. So is it getting better? Is it getting worse? It's the same. It's pretty bad. What are you doing? It has not improved. Uh-huh. What are you, what I've been are you doing? doing exercises. Uh-huh. I've tried ibuprofen. I've tried uh-huh. a weave. I've tried everything out there that I can think of. Uh-huh. I take magnesium. Uh-huh. How much ibuprofen are you ta- were you taking when you took it? Two every maybe three hours. Uh-huh. Every three hours. That's a lot of ibuprofen. And a leave? How much a leave did you take? I'm not quite as many because you're not supposed to take as much uh-huh. a leave, I guess. Uh-huh. Where are you getting your exercises from? They wanted me to go to physical therapy, but mm-hmm. I'm dealing with insurance uh-huh. right now. Yeah. You can look at some good exercises on YouTube on the web. I mean, you know, you oh, go I to... have a computer. You don't have a computer, so... Did you get some you exercises know? from somebody else to look at? Well, my mom used to, like, put her feet up on, on like, a two-by-four. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. She had similar skills what I have, uh-huh. and... Stretching exercises mm-hmm. and... So I want to get to your pain for just a second, and then we'll talk about the exercise. Does it go down the back of your thigh, down the back oh, of your... Oh, it goes... It starts at my butt on mm-hmm. the right side. Okay. My butt all the way down the back of my mm-hmm. leg to the bottom of my foot. So let me uh, give a, a, you know, what we call a curbside diagnosis. This is probably a disc that's pushing on a nerve, not uncommon. It's really common as we get older that discs push on nerves, and then we, then we get pain. We get this terrible pain that often can last for 12, 16, 20 weeks. And what happens is over time for many, many people, that disc eventually dries up and pulls back from the nerve and things get better. There's a time issue here. That's a very common thing. Not, it doesn't happen with everyone, but it happens with like 85 or 90% of the people. So hanging in there for another few weeks is important. Now, there are a few other things that you should do. When you're sitting on your on chairs, do you sit on any hard kitchen chairs? No, I have a donut. You have a donut. Good. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. That's exactly what you should have. You should have a donut because you have a donut. looks like a big donut. Then you, you sit on there. You sit with so that you're not putting pressure on that sciatic nerve, which is kind of in the, in the middle of there. Then the next thing you want to do is you want to do back exercises. And if you don't have access to a computer, ask somebody who does because there are a series of exercises you can do which really help kind of mobilize those muscles in the back. That can help. The other thing I recommend is two leave twice a day, two in the morning when you get up, two in the evening when you go, when you go to sleep at night, two leave twice a day, every single day, whether you have pain or not, and see what that does. You've got to get an anti-inflammatory dose in order to make sure you're basically getting that inflammation out of there. And then hang in there. Usually it can take 16, 20 weeks to get better. Most people do not need surgery, and that's what I would recommend. And if you came to my office, if we did x-rays, if we did an MRI, the advice would be exactly the same. And like you said, if you go to physical therapy, you have insurance issues, you can do this at home. Most people can do that. But you've got to take that anti-inflammatory twice a day, every single day, whether you have pain or not. And you can take Tylenol in between, but you can't mix ibuprofen and Aleve together. Yes, I have done that, but I will continue to. Once in a while, I would mix them. But, yeah. but if you know somebody who's got a smartphone 
or a computer, go and look on YouTube to look at some exercises. And I'll tell you, there are two physical therapists that do a great job. It's called Bob and Brad. And they're physical therapists. They're two boys from Wisconsin. And they have great, great, great exercises. Back exercises, leg exercises. Go to the Bob and Brad exercises on YouTube. They do a Mm. great job. See what they look like. And frankly, you can do this at home without spending money or copay on PT. Would you recommend I have an inversion table that my husband uses for his bath? Yeah, use it. Absolutely. Absolutely use it. Inversion tables are awesome. But should I go all the way upside down? If you can, if you can tolerate it, going upside down is just fine. Sure. Have your husband help you so you don't fall off the inversion table. (laughs) That's the biggest thing. Only do it for a couple minutes at a time. That's it. Upside down would be absolutely great. The inversion tables are really good. Some people just love them. They really work. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. You take care now. Yeah, thanks. We really appreciate that call at 800-462-7413. 1-800-462-7413. Okay, Zorba, let's uh, crack open the always overstuffed Zorba Pastor on your health inbox and take a listener email. <laughs> the following question came from Victoria in Oklahoma City. Victoria writes, Dr. Zorba, I came across your program while on the road. Now I listen every week. Thank you. One of the observations I've had is on occasion you will give a caller advice that contradicts the advice of their physician and suggests they find another doctor. That's right. Have you ever had any pushback from angry doctors? Uh, You know something? I don't get pushback. It's kind of interesting. I don't get pushback. I occasionally do. And I'll tell you I'll tell you a good example. So this is years ago. We're talking about many years ago. I talked about breast implants at the beginning of breast uh, breast implants. We're talking about a long time ago. Um, I talked on the radio about a woman should really be careful about having breast implants. They have side effects. And I talked about it. And you know who I got pushbacks from? The plastic surgeons who were putting breast implants. And they said, they basically said, how dare you? This is unproven. (laughs) And you're talking about that. And I said, well, it may be unproven at this moment, but there's actually research that shows it might cause side effects. And of course, obviously, we know that breast implants do cause side effects. That was probably the biggest pushback I got back because it interfered with their putting in breast implants and finances. But no, I don't. Don't get pushbacks from physicians. And I think it's because when I do it, I do it in a gentle way. I mean, I suggest a second opinion and I rarely say that doctor is wrong. I often say you ought to get a second opinion. And there's yeah. kind of a difference there in how you and how you phrase that. Good question, though. It is. Have a healthy living question for Zorba? Just post on our Facebook page or send us an email. Or at- push back on us at Zorba <laughs> at WP.org. And I've got to tell you something. The comments and the emails I get from some people, some listeners, I do get pushback from that, especially when it comes from some of the recommendations I give on COVID. 800-462-7413 is the number to call anytime with your question for Dr. Zorba. Now, Let's uh, hear a voicemail from Utah. My question is, any dietary help for microvascular disease or dementia? How can one help her or his brain from developing those issues? Thank you so much. That's an ideal question. So first of all, let let me chime in on Prevagen. Prevagen, it must be a $500 million or a billion-dollar product if you look at how much they're advertising. And by the way, Prevagen contains vitamin D, 2,000 international units. This is a drug that supposedly will increase your memory. And it has jellyfish extract. I was looking at it the (laughs) other day. And it costs $100 a month for the high dose. And it doesn't do anything. I mean, you know, they, they have a small study, never peer-reviewed, so don't spend your money on that. I want to uh, put that out front. What has been shown to be useful for microvascular disease that is associated with dementia is, number one, stop smoking. 
you're smoking, it's bad. Number two, if you're drinking more than two drinks a day, stop drinking. We know that's bad. And number three, we know that a Mediterranean diet is the best diet for you. So it's plentiful fish, at least fish twice a week, especially fish that has good fish oil. I would highly recommend that. Plentiful fruits and vegetables in a variety of ways. We know that that is good to prevent microvascular disease. And the final thing is, Exercise. We know exercise makes a difference. Aerobic exercise, any exercise will make a difference. And those would be my recommendations. Mm. Now, before we hit the highway, Zorba, we always love it when our listeners post on our Facebook page. Time again for Facebook Feedback. Facebook The following question came to us from a listener named Marie, who listens to the show on WUOT in Knoxville, Tennessee. Marie writes, Growing in popularity with my women friends is supplementing collagen peptides for skin, hair, nails, and joints. Is this supplement beneficial or not? Well, this is just like my Aunt Myrtle who took gelatin capsules because it would actually make her nails stronger. (laughs) It's very similar. I think it's a replay of the same thing. It would be wonderful if we could take a supplement such as that and it would make a difference. But basically, you take the supplement into your body, it then gets digested, and then it goes and it does whatever our food does. It goes into our body and does different things. Try it. It's probably not not going to do something. But if it works and it doesn't cost too much money, I'm all for it. And once again, when it comes to anything that sort of is complimentary in in this manner, I always say try it for a while, stop it for a while, try it for a while, stop it for a while, and do that trial on yourself Mm. to see if it works for you. Collagen peptides. Hmm. I was in uh, college in the 50s, and we didn't have peptides, (laughs) but we did have pep rallies. (laughs) Do you have a These jokes have got to stop. They've got to stop. I can't contain myself. Do you have a healthy living question for Zorba? (laughs) Just post it on our Facebook page or send us an email app. And jokes also you can send to us, Zorba at WPR.org. See you next week, Zorba. (laughs) Stay well, Tom. If you missed anything during the show or just want to stream the show online anytime. Or pep us up. (laughs) Visit us on the web. At ZorbaPastry.org or, of course, through Facebook. And don't forget, you can call us anytime. Leave your question at 800-462-7413. Zorba Pastor On Your Health is a production of Wisconsin Public Radio. It's not intended as a medical diagnosis, so please do check with your doc. Our executive producer is Carl Christensen. Our technical director is Brad Kohlberg. Our theme music is by Leo and Ben Sidron. For Zorba Pastor, I'm Tom Clark, asking you to join us on the next Zorba Pastor On Your Health. Did you miss something on today's show? Simply go to ZorbaPastor.org to catch up on all things Zorba. There you will find recipes from the show, links to the Facebook page, Zorba's healthy living articles, and you can subscribe to the weekly podcast. On the web, that's ZorbaPastor.org.